All right, welcome to Blue Match's first installment of our podcast. My name is John. I'm one of the co-founders of Blue Match, and today uh, I am with a special guest, uh, Mike Rustin. Uh, if you're new to our podcast, which you probably will be, since this is our first one, uh, we are all about technology, real estate, combining the two, uh, making real estate agents more uh, more money, having them become more effective as agents, uh, you know, having them spend their time, uh, you know, doing better things than, you know, running around and shuffling paperwork. Well, so. thanks for having me in. It's exciting. Very so, first podcast. Super Very cool. cool. Very yeah, cool. So Mike, uh, Mike was spending his beautiful Saturday out here, right, uh, in Denver. I was in the mountains this morning. Uh, my butt hurts really bad. I was snowboarding for the <laughs> second time ever. And uh, a lot of fun, but I'm in a lot of pain right now. Mike... Mike played some uh, little ultimate frisbee ultimate earlier frisbee. today in Boulder. Yeah, how did that? How did that work? Nursing my right knee right now. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so super cool. Well, Mike is a uh, local to uh, Colorado local. He's been uh, CU graduate, right? CU grad. That's uh, right. Got his master's at Carnegie Mellon uh, in mathematics. Worked on Wall Street for some time. A couple yeah. years, city and J.P. Morgan, yeah. yeah, up in the up in the Big Apple, and uh, now he is back in Colorado with the rest of us, uh, and he's kind of shifted his, uh, you know, forte to uh, real estate investing, and so Mike's a pretty active slash avid real estate investor here. Uh, you know, he does quite a bit in the Denver market, which is a very tough market uh, to be a real estate investor. It's hard to find deals. There's you know, for every. Uh, Mike out there, there's, you know, 10,000 guys that are trying to to find deals and they go quickly. Yeah, they go very fast. Uh, You know, we, uh, a couple summers ago, we bought our house here and and, uh, it was a very frustrating summer because everyone was bidding up uh, homes like crazy and uh, it still hasn't slowed down since. So uh, good and bad. But, you know, uh, over the last uh, year that uh, we've known Mike, he's been able to find deals. And so today we want to talk to him a little bit about uh, how he's finding these deals, uh, what is his thought process behind the deals, what is the math behind the deals, uh, you know, some of the uh, anecdotes that go behind it, also some of uh, the objectiveness that goes behind it too because, you know, at the end of the day, you do this because you want to, you know, increase your net worth. Is that right? So, Oh, yeah, that's a big part of it. <laughs> okay, so, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's about making money and we uh, all want to do that and, and you know, the... The more information, the more data we have, and, and the better we become at it, you know, um, obviously it's better for you. It's a lot like sure. Wall Street, right? A lot of lot of uh, analysis in, in there. So, uh, what'd you start? I know you're under contract right now um, for your yep. is it your Different fourth property. or fifth property in the area. That'll be my fifth, including my primary. Fifth, including his primary, and, and that's uh, a point maybe to bring up is that uh, I've heard some people say that your primary is not an investment. Some people will say that it is. I think it is just because you have money at risk. If you sure and your primary residence, that could you know the value can go up and value could potentially go down. So yeah, number one primary is it's your primary. You need to have a place to live. It's not an investment in that sense, but it's investment in the sense that you have you know something on the line. Yep. So you're sort of implicitly it's an investment. I've heard both sides of that coin. So I've I've heard there's some pretty avid, uh, well-known people that say your home that you live in is essentially a liability. Um, there's a guy who circuits the country and making good money. Uh, right. And he basically says, Hey, this is a liability. It's not an asset. But you know, in this market, uh, I've seen a lot of people make a lot of money off of their liability. Yeah. You, you know, they bought five or six years ago. So, uh, absolutely good point. I mean, I'm sure you're probably up on your primary. Is that safe to say? Or 
uh, when you look at the appreciation over time and, uh, you know, how are you, how do you analyze that? What do you bought that with blue match last year in okay. July? Uh, Solomon took me out. We saw a few in properties. It's a great experience. Uh, what I was looking for there was sort of the low end of the primary of the, sorry, single family. So I was looking for a house, not a, not a condo. And in Lynn Longmont, so right around 250 was right around the low end of the market, about the cheapest house you can you can get that doesn't have anything seriously wrong with it. And that was basically for affordability and because uh, there can be differences in the market where the low end will come up faster than, say, the high end. Uh, the way I think about it is, okay, new buildings, new builds, new construction isn't going to be at the low end. It's going to – so supply and demand is different at the low end than the mid or at the high end. So I – uh, hard to say. I think it's probably gone up in value a little bit since yeah. I bought it, and I've done some renovations as well, try to increase the value. Yeah, that was kind of the thought process we had when we bought uh, in Lone Tree uh, down south. It was uh, we bought in the low end of Lone Tree, and um, you know potentially the rest of the markets kind of carried us with yeah. it over here. Uh, we bought kind of in a protective area. It's a very small community. It's like a mile by a mile, um, you know, and it's one of those where it's not like a Highlands Ranch where it's so massively spread out to where, it, uh, in my opinion, I think that right. kind of leaves you a little bit more volatile to the market. You know, the more more inventory, the more uh, you know just kind of happens i think i mean if everything goes you know it goes but uh i, I feel we're a little bit protective whether it's false or not you know who knows but uh the other cool i, I know longmont's a really hot market because that boulder crowd is finally finally realizing hey like six hundred thousand dollars for an <laughs> entry-level home is not acceptable anymore and uh, yeah, longmont right. is only 15 minutes away and uh you know there's a lot of people going into that market so i think i don't think you can go wrong at longmont longmont's right still where there's affordable housing well, maybe affordable in quotes for some, but affordable yeah. housing in Boulder County. It's the for, low end of Boulder County for sure. For sure, yeah. for sure. Uh, so one of the cool things that Mike does is uh, right now he's um, actively investing in a lot of condos. Um, and he, he goes about it in a pretty methodical way, both from a financing perspective. So uh, I'll kind of throw a little... Uh, um, Shameless plug for you, Mike. Mike also is a mortgage broker with uh, Canyon River Mortgages, um, so he gets yep. he gets really creative with financing, both for himself and for um, you know people that he works with. Um, but you know, we can talk about you know, let's talk about a little bit about you know some of the thought process that goes behind um, you know each of the condos that you're buying. Uh, how are you you know essentially leveraging these condos? What types of cap rates are you looking at? Um, you know, how, how do you go about you know before you make that decision to pull the trigger? Um, you know, walk us through that a little bit. Sure. Um, in getting a new property, I look for a place that's not already bid up and it's not already the most popular area. You want to be maybe a phrase that Solomon used on the frontier, on the fringe, a place that's about to hit it big, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. So place I have now near, uh, near Casa Bonita, actually, in Lynn Lakewood. It's yep. near the Edgewater, Sloan's Lake area, but it's sort of on the edge. So I was still able to still get a pretty good deal. Uh, I, th- I think it's a good deal. Two-bedroom condo for uh, 123, yeah, $123,000 out there. Yep. Um, looking to get that rented here in the near future at about 1300 would be would be the goal. So those numbers are fairly fairly good for this area. Sure. 
So one of the big things that we, because you know we work with uh, not only Mike but a lot of other investors too, and um, a lot of people look for different things when it comes to uh, figuring out what the cap rates are, uh, what's acceptable to them. Um, you know, some are a little bit more risk adverse than others. Some have uh, a very specific formula, and if it doesn't meet that criteria, they don't touch it. Um, and and for you, like you know, how are you calculating your, uh, you know, your cap rates? What's acceptable to you? You know. When it comes down to right, the math and, and the right. economics of it, so I'll also say there's two sources of return. There's you know the appreciation on the property, which you can't get until you you know cash out, and then you get the the monthly returns from rents. So those two pieces, and a lot of those, a lot of times those are going to work uh, inversely to one another. Okay. An area where you can get a really good cap rate, meaning a really good uh, rent as a ratio of the property value. You might not expect that pro- that property to appreciate. So, right now in the Denver market, uh, I believe we're we're in the. There's already been a bit of a run up uh, in terms of <clears throat> prices going up. So we've seen some appreciation, and that's going to lower the cap rates, just by the math of the thing. As as the value goes up, your cap rate will go down. Yep. If that makes okay. sense. So, in terms of looking at cap rates, I generally will just look at the top line number. What is the rent? And you annualize that, divide by the cost of the pro- cost of the property. Also subtract out known expenses, so the HOA taxes, known expenses. If you want to get a realistic number, you're also going to have to subtract maintenance and vacancy. The, you know those can be unknown, but you want to factor those in. So a rule of thumb might be, you know, one month out of the year it's going to be vacant. So you know, eight to ten percent vacancy rate, maintenance. You know that's going to be spotty. It's not going to be consistent. You can also factor in a percentage, a percentage of rent for okay every month. I'm going to assume it 10, 20 percent. I mean, I'm, those are just I'm just throwing that out there uh, for maintenance. <coughs> Excuse me. I generally because those aren't known, we'll just look at the what is what is definitely known, rent taxes to get to a known value. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. Pretty self-explanatory. Uh, we also will have a uh, cap rate sheet too, um, very similar to kind of what Mike uh, just talked about for download um, on our website uh, right next to the podcast. So if you're interested in kind of looking at uh, some of those numbers and, and the economics of what goes behind uh, what what Mike does, um, that'll be there for you too. Well, super cool. So it's kind of like the way it sounds and, and the way I've always seen, you know, uh, real estate investors. So I'm, I am new to the real estate game. So my background's in technology. Solomon is in real estate. Um, so uh, I have a, a good enough understanding of it to be dangerous. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I, you know, parts of it to me seem like there's a little bit of black magic and then a lot of, um, you know, I don't know, 50, 50 black magic slash, uh, making sure the numbers, you know, are, are, are steady. And so, um, you know, you have a preference, right? So, so Mike also is an avid investor as well. And, uh, he, he's taught me uh, quite a few things on the investment side. Um, what do you, when you go to look at where you're going to put your money, uh, how much safer do you feel or, you know, going either into the stock market or into uh, real estate. What are some of the pros and cons that you come across? Good question. Um, um, pros and cons. Uh, real estate is going to have higher transaction costs. Even even with Blue Match, you know, lowering those fees and being real competitive on that on that side, that um, it's still you're going to have taxes. You're going to have 
just the cost of doing business is going to be much higher for for real estate. So that makes it a longer-term transaction, almost by necessity. With a stock, you can buy it and sell it the next day. You're not out that much. Real estate, you can't do that. So it's almost by definition like a longer-term, longer-term holding. Yep. Um, there is no shorts. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I guess you kind of. Right? It can be uh, <laughs> synthetic yeah. to short the market. So. Um, and then... Uh, I'd say the way, the way I do it is with, with more hands-on, actually buying properties. You know, you could also go into REITs as a way of investing in the market, but just passively. That, there's major tax implications that are different between stocks and real estate. Uh, the mortgage interest deduction for your primary. Uh, when you're talking about rental properties, then you have, uh, uh, you have to depreciate the, the asset. So that's a major difference as well. Okay, super cool. Uh, we, I know that there's a lot of... Uh... Um, synergy between a lot of people that invest in stocks and real estate. I know a lot of people that end up making it big in the stock market or, you know, they've had a company that they've done, you know, really well with. Um, they do a lot of 1031s, you know, to avoid a lot of that tax, um, you know, that's coming coming through there and, you know, rolling it into real estate. Um, so, yeah, no, super cool advice. Um, yeah, that's a benefit of real estate. The 1031 exchange, you can roll, instead of paying capital gains, Roll that money forward into another another property. Tax free. Tax free. <laughs> so major major benefit. Tax free, and then and then it continues, and it, and it technically counts as passive income, right? Like, is that what it's? Um, is it passive income that is you know the real estate? Uh, it depends. Uh, if you do real estate as your main profession, then that is like earned income. Uh, if it, yeah, if it's just like not your main money. income, sign money. <laughs> it's treated differently. Is there a financial threshold before? Um, you know, the IRS or the man says, okay, you're, you are actually doing this as a business now, or is it? Uh, there's a rule based on how much time you spend and if it's your primary, gotcha. if it's your primary. So if you're making $10,000 a month in real estate and your real job, you know, you're busing tables at a restaurant, you know, <laughs> then, the, then your real job sounds like is real estate if you're making 10000 okay. a month. So, <laughs> so that's a good problem to have, right? So yeah. it's okay to pay taxes when you're making good money. No joke. So, uh, <laughs> So one of the things um, that we really like um, watching when Mike goes and does a deal is how he's leveraging his real estate. Um, and it's a pretty unique way that he does it. Uh, a lot of people go in and, and they are doing either, you know, they work with hard money lenders or they're working with uh, uh, banks or, or institutions. Uh, Mike does it in a pretty creative way. He, he's... Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? I know that he's he again. It's coming down to you know combining his uh, his, his stock market expertise right. and in real estate. I have so my daily job is um, home loan specialist, mortgage broker with Canyon River Mortgage, and uh, we do all kinds of loans. You know VA, FHA, mostly conventional loans. Um, but I do something for my own. Uh, I leverage my my stocks with margin loans. So that's maybe a little piece of advice for anybody that has a large portfolio of, of stocks that they want to borrow against. Um, that's borrowed at the sh short-term rate, so Janet Yellen's decisions will definitely affect me. But in the short run, um, it's a pretty good rate, and you know I'll, uh, I'm taking advantage of that while I can. Yeah, so it's, it's essentially <laughs> a new way to trade on margin, right? So if, if, if you guys are familiar with, you know, just in a very rudimentary way, if I were to go to open a you know an Ameritrade account tomorrow, um, I would essentially have, what is it like? If I put $3,000 in, I have $6,000 worth of trading power, right? For so sure. 3000 sure. in margin. So um, essentially what Mike's doing is he's turning his margin into um, 
it's a loan essentially a loan. Yeah, that I can so take it's... out personal loan with uh, my stocks as collateral, and that allows me leverage my portfolio that way. But I should mention that, that what's more applicable for most people would be a low low down a mortgage with a low down payment. So uh, something I can offer through Canyon River Mortgage is a one percent down product. Uh, all you have to have is a nine. Sorry, excuse me, seven hundred or better. I almost said nine hundred, but seven hundred or better credit. It's pretty impressive credit. Yeah, score. that'd be a pretty good credit score off the charts. <laughs> um, and I should also mention Home Ready and Home Possible. Those are products, uh, mortgage products through Fannie and Freddie. You can have as little as three uh, percent down for your primary. And those have different. Uh, you can go a little bit lower with the credit scores in there, and that'll allow you to get into a property. It's a more realistic way for people with not as much down payment to get into a property. And and the nice thing too is, well, and not everybody has the ability to, you know, trade on margin, right? Because, you know, not everybody has a, you know, a giant Ameritrade account or whatever account you're working with. Um, So, you know, there's there's other opportunities. Now, where do the bottlenecks happen? So if, um, say for instance, uh, I'm not cash rich, um, just say, you know, well, I've you know, maybe saved up fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. I have pretty good credit. I have pretty good income. I have a primary residence. Uh, how can you, from there, if you want to be an active real estate investor, so you want to go out, you want to buy properties. Uh, what are some of the creative ways that you can go about doing that? If you if you're not one of the lucky ones to you know sure. have the have the margin abilities, or if you're going to buy a, going to buy an investment property, you can do it with as little as fifteen percent down. The rate's going to be not very attractive. Uh, better is twenty or twenty five percent down. So a standard is about 25% down on investment property. That can be a big chunk of change. So one creative way is uh, called uh, house hacking. It's is also called primary conversion. It's just basically where you take your primary, convert that into rental, and you move into a new, new, new property. Okay. And the reason for that is you get primary financing. So that's uh, one suggestion. I talked to a client a while back looking to get a, a rental property, but he didn't have 20% down. Well... You move into a new primary, turn your old place into a rental, and that's that's a win rate. The rule there is you have to stay in your place for a year one before year. you one okay. year, yeah, and then you can convert it. So that's popular to get around the, the you know to get around that that bottleneck of the twenty five percent or twenty percent down. In a market like uh, Denver or you know Seattle's another market that we're in, um, you know it's a little bit different than like Minnesota or like a Dallas or San Antonio or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, the the appreciation here, you know, we're seeing high single digit, double digits year over year appreciation in some areas of, of you know, definitely in Seattle, uh, Denver, you know, it's one of those rapidly appreciated areas. Uh, have you seen like creative ways where, you know, people are using these HELOCs to, you know, take equity to move that into something else? Is, is that a, a good way to go about? That's one option. If you, if your primary has, has done well in the past few years, you can take a HELOC against that, use that as a down payment for an investment property or for another property. That's one way to do it for sure. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. yeah um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, I think there's a lot of ways, you know, for, for the novice guys to, you know, start getting into, you know, at least their foot in the door. Uh, I know one of the very difficult things that we have in Denver, and you've been really successful with this, uh, is finding properties, especially, you know, two bedrooms, uh, condos, just anywhere, you know, with, with reasonable HOAs and, fairly desirable areas. Uh, you know, th- th- there's this, you know, we always say it's the under 250 K rule, right? So we have a very difficult time finding anybody, a primary resident under 250,000. Obviously these are going to be move in ready. Um, you know, it's, there's not a lot to, a lot of work to be done over there. 
Um, but you know, how are you finding these deals? You know, your last one was what, right under ninety thousand dollars, eighty eighty nine thousand. I'm in the process now under contract now on one for eighty nine thousand. So we'll see if that goes through. Not yeah. on wood. <laughs> and that's a one bedroom, one bedroom, one bath. Well, the one bedroom. Some people will tell you, you know, look for the more bedrooms. Okay, in, so, in your in your last one too, it was a two bedroom, two bedroom. at the one twenty four, one twenty three, one twenty three, right? Um, those are incredible deals, especially where you're finding those. I mean, how much legwork are you having to you know put in to find those? Um, you know how fast you have to be, and and I know one of the issues is that people get buyers fatigued in markets like this, where they're just like, you know, how how do you keep yourself disciplined to say, I'm not gonna. This is my threshold. I, I'm not gonna give in and, and give you 135 for this because that's when the numbers don't work for me. But there comes right. to a point where it's like I want to get more real estate investment properties, and you know maybe there's a little room to, to wiggle. Like, you know, what are some of the ways you keep yourself disciplined? How are you finding these I'd deals? I'd say step one is be ready to go, meaning have your financing lined up. If you're looking and you don't have financing figured out, or at least you know like a pre-qualification or a pre-approval, then you don't really know what you can afford, right? Yep. So that's one thing. And then you know because the market moves pretty fast. Um, you have to be able to look at a property when it comes on the market within a day or two, honestly, okay. is how that, how the, that's played out for me. And, and I know the margin side works out too, because essentially you're kind of approaching it as a cash buyer essentially, right? Because you're not having to work with financing or how yeah, does that? Yeah. So that's gives me a little bit stronger position to be able to make a cash offer. Uh, but it could, you know, don't, doesn't, you don't need to be a cash buyer, obviously, sure. to, to, to get it done. Because the money gets there no matter what, right? Sure. So it's, it's just sure. a little bit faster with cash, but, you know, it gets there just the same. Sure. Um, Seller just generally preferred, my, I might not need an appraisal uh, as a cash buyer. Uh, fewer things to go wrong, essentially. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so... You know, like I said, Mike's been Mike's been doing a lot of this stuff. We we're always really interested in what he's doing because uh, we're learning a lot. Uh, you know, from what Mike's doing in this market, and it's uh, you know watching him build his real estate pro- portfolio, build his net worth. Uh, you know, has inspired a lot of us. You know, over at Blue Match. Oh, to, I, I know, relied on uh, Solomon's uh, Solomon's expertise in terms of what what neighborhoods to look in, oh, what price great. ranges, yeah. what price ranges, and to look for that. Like I said, like that frontier market where it's you know Highlands, for example already pretty bid up that's a that's a hot yep. area to get into the highlands just a one bedroom it's going to be quite expensive and the cap rate i think maybe the appreciation's already happened right so i wanted something that's on the edge of that where it's you know plausible there's always risk there's no there's no guarantee sure. so where it's plausible that would be the next place yeah and, and i know solomon did great with the place he's in right now in real swansea mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's that's just right north of 70 um he's in he, he's up like a hundred and forty percent over I, I want to say four years, if that, in, yeah, in that neighborhood. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, so there's there are deals out there. Like, you know, he, he bought that, you know, four years ago, under 100 grand. Uh, his, his mortgage payment is just uh, almost laughable in that area. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's doing really well. So um, it was kind of by accident. But I know that he's, he's going to start expanding his um, real estate portfolio as well, as, as, as well as the rest of us. And, you know, it's always good. You know, it's, it's inspirational to watch these guys. Um, Mike's a, Mike's a young guy, you know, he's, he's early thirties, uh, doing very well. And, and, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a great retirement, uh, uh, structure, at least, at least from what we're able to see. Um, so, uh, we, we'll have, we'll have all of Mike's information too on, on the, uh, blog as well, uh, underneath the podcast and you'll be able to, um, contact him if you have any yeah, questions about 1% financing. 1% and 3% down options. Um, the, there are additional rules maybe I should go through, but if those work for you, those are, can be a great option to, to 
you know, buy a property that you can afford, but with a low down payment. Yeah. And I know that there's some really cool stuff at the beginning of the year that we, we talk to a lot of the lenders that we work with about, um, uh, money that's essentially allocated for individuals for down payment assistance. Um, I know that kind of dries up as you get further down into the year. So usually like this is a great time to buy. There's, you know, if you're, if you're kind of financially in a position, not even looking for, uh, investment property, but maybe just an initial home too. Um, I know there's some really cool stuff, you know. Down payment assistance in Colorado, I believe it's called Chaffa. Chaffa, that's what, yeah. So. It's it's a real popular program, and I know we've uh, we've had some good success with Chaffa loans, and and people tend to love it. We've had, we've had um, buyers with our model come in and essentially almost pay absolutely nothing down or very little down for for great homes around here. Um, so I know there's a lot of really creative ways to mm-hmm. to kind of go about it. Um, you know, what's your long-term goal? What's your, I know that you want to, you're going to continue to look for real estate properties. Do you have like a number in your head that you want to hit or, or, uh, um, you know, you just want to keep building as long as you can or, or what's kind of your, your short-term and long-term goal with all this? Ooh, good question. Short-term and long-term goals. Short-term <laughs> is to get the deal I'm, you know, under contract now, get that closed and get that rented and, uh, and then manage in longer term, just manage things and, and, um, you know, be cash flow positive on one properties, essentially. Continue to go, yeah, go, try go to keep up and to the right, right? That's what everyone <laughs> wants to do is, is, is move that dial up into the right. Um, you know, one last thing I kind of want to touch on, you know, as you start to build this portfolio of yours, do you find it difficult to, to manage it? You know, like the more tenants that you're dealing with, uh, what are you using? Do you that's use a, any sort of tech platforms or do you have anything in place? Or That's definitely uh, something I just sort of jumped in because people will tell you, oh, you have to have a lawyer, get your team in place, all your ducks in a row. I'll admit that I maybe didn't have all my ducks in a row, but I just, you know, dove in and decided I can manage it myself. And uh, it means being able to answer the phone calls, being able to write up a lease, take a deposit, you know, good to have that money in an individual account for each property. That's a good idea to keep that, you know, keep that deposit um, escrowed or separated away from your other funds. So that's a good idea. Um but it, it can be done. I think actually renters prefer to deal with a private directly, party directly than, with the. Uh, I, I know I always did when I worked with them. Some I, large company that wants to fine you for having, you know. Do you see a point though where you know you acquire say ten, fifteen in the near future, tw- you know twenty in your portfolio, that that's going to become just not manageable, or or you're going to have to figure something out, um, you know, hire an assistant or <laughs> whatever uh, that probably, looks like. Probably, you know, one benefit of having them geographically all within driving range would be, and I can do it. it. You know, maybe one of the long-term goals is, Hey, can I, can I actually uh, invest out of state? That's something to, to look into to sure. a part of the growth. And then, yeah, definitely just need to have a property manager. There's really no, n- no good uh, managing a property out of state, trying to do it yourself. Yeah. Flying, flying out into That's you know, Oklahoma not, or wherever it might be. <laughs> the next work. one. Uh, so the nice thing is, is as you establish a uh, process, right? Because you, you have to treat this as a business, right? I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. you have some sort of entity that controls all your holdings. Um, are you set up like as an LLC or how are you set up right now? Or just a sole proprietor? Or uh, LLC is for each property. Okay. So you break them down. And so, uh, which is smart, right? There's a lot of, of, of good tax benefit for that. And there's also liability stuff that, that kind of comes along with that. Um, so the nice thing is, is as you build that process, you know, it's, it's, it becomes easier to invest out of state because that's essentially what you have to look at, right? I'm a business. I have to build a business and, and all good businesses have good processes and mm-hmm. they, you know, they have all that. And so, um, like I said, a lot of the stuff that we'll have that, you know, Mike uses and a lot of other real estate investors, um, you'll be able to download right from our blog, um, things like, you know, cap rate, uh, 
uh, yeah, I get into formulas, weeds with you know, spreadsheets and all yeah. that kind of thing. And so, yeah, certainly a simplified tool we, is, is helpful. We've seen it. It's kind of nuts. And, it, and as you as you get into those, you know, you start to, you know, it has to be like that, you know, because, you know, every, you know, the numbers matter. Just like, it, well, you're a very analytical person, right? So kind of unfair, you know, with a mathematics background. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, as you... As you begin to progress, you know, um, it definitely is, is something that I guess if you do scale out of state, it's it's all all that stuff that kind of goes with it. Well, mm-hmm. uh, super cool. I mean, do you have anything else you want to add? I know this has been our very first episode. It's been a lot of fun. I, Mike and I are both sore because we're getting old and we've been, <laughs> we live in Colorado. And we've been doing a lot of outdoor stuff. I know my, my behind hurts pretty good from falling on it all day. The, um, way, I, the way I think about it is that your first investment is your your primary, we talked about whether, you know, your primary is considered an investment or not, yep. but because you have money on the line, I feel like it is in a lot of sense. Um, so you're going to take first is an, is a investment. It's not a liability. It's a, well, it know. can be a liability too, but I mean, if it's, if it's your biggest purchase, it's hard to ignore that as part of your, your holdings. Gotcha. Um, I have roommates that help, you know, help me pay my mortgage. That's not for everybody. Uh, so, but that's a, that's a thought. And then from there, uh, maybe also a distinction between condos where the HOA manages the exterior versus you know single family house, houses, and those I think I think the conventional wisdom is you could have potentially better uh, appreciation on a house and could be possibly more limited on a condo, but you have more to t- more to deal with with a house you no know, HOA. Yep. Yeah. So. I have both. And Our neighborhood doesn't have an HOA. It's like one of the few that don't have an HOA. And there's good and bad yeah. with it, right? Like, you know, my, I've had some neighbors do some really funky stuff with, you know, paint and color schemes and parking, you know, gigantic boats and trailers wherever they want. But, you know, I don't have to pay an HOA. And I know sure, in some sure. areas, especially in Lone Tree, those HOAs get absolutely in, insane. And it gets so, back to the, the two sources of return from real estate would be appreciation and then rents, you know, so current. So in a house, you might get a lower cap rate, but you might be banking on longer-term appreciation that you might not see in a condo because they could build another condo just down the street where they can't make new land in the location of the houses. So that's just a thought there. So you want that high saturation, right? Like you want like the build to have been built. <laughs> like yeah. the expanding areas are a little yeah. bit more risky. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, stuff I haven't even thought about. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. And the other thing too is like uh, you know before we before we wrap things up, I I know that um, HOA is a really big thing, especially in the condo side, because that can that can seriously make or break something, right? I've looked at condos where I thought, holy smokes, that price is amazing, and then I walk over there and it's got a four hundred fifty dollar HOA, which completely skews all the numbers. HOAs are often mismanaged. They'll be too cheap for too long, and they won't have reserves. And then something will break, and they'll be out of money. You're facing that right now, actually, aren't you? With with the uh, one of your uh, past yeah. where they where they're about to have to boost the HOA a little the bit. Property out uh, out uh, West Colfax. Uh, I did some due diligence, and I think they're on a good path now. But they weren't previously. So that's one of the things that made it a better deal. Is okay. The HOA is not rock solid, so there's a little bit of risk there. But I felt comfortable that they are on the right path now, which they weren't maybe a few years ago. And that can be scary. So that, those are always good things to look at. I know yeah. I know that just from a, a lender's perspective, sometimes they'll actually look at how much cash on hand the HOA has or where the HOA is kind of going. Uh, or even, you know, how much of the building is made up of occupants versus renters. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all sorts of, you know, things that, that kind of, you know, get into there. So we'll dive into that just really quickly. I just, you know, I think that's a really good thing to kind of touch before we wrap up. Sure. Is the, uh, how, how do you go about doing the due diligence? Like, you know, for, for the HOA, like what are some red flags 
that you, you know, can, can foresee to say, Hey, this is going to be a bad deal in four years because my HOA is going to go up two and a half X and this is going to be not good. You can look for an HOA that uh, doesn't have 10% in reserves. Maybe they haven't done a reserve study in the recent past. So if you see that, okay, probably they're going to need to replace the roof here in the next 10 years and they don't have a reserve for that, then they've been under budgeting. Gotcha. So that's one example. And then you talk about non-warrantable, meaning cannot get uh, certain types of financing. That's if there's uh, more renters than, you know. Homeowners. Uh, homeowners. Right. Homeowner right. occupants, yeah, in a, in a complex. And um, FHA financing, it's very specific. The complex will either be approved or not. So a lot of them, uh, they'll start off and when the complex is brand new. Everyone moves in and a lot of those are owner occupants. And then really easy to get financing at the yeah. start. And then over the years, the number of renters, percentage renters will go up and then you can get run into such um, a circumstance where the FHA is not possible. Gotcha. And that can almost even affect your long-term gains on that, right? Because that essentially will eliminate a portion of the buyers in that market because now they have to go conventional. And so if you're talking, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollar condos, and well, I don't know if it usually if there's a threshold in there, but you get you get up there, and then you know there's no longer FHA available for that right. because it's it's essentially all you know fifty percent renters or I don't know what the the, the exact number is. The difference, yeah, on, on the higher end, it'd be priced as a primary, and the, so the cap rate or you know what it could rent for doesn't really as doesn't really matter as much. Yep. Then at the low end, where a lot of people are buying them simply to rent them then that cap rate calculation, that, that'll kind of determine the value of the property. Gotcha. Well, super cool. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being here. Uh, again, uh, it's Mike Rustin with Canyon River Mortgages. His contact information will be uh, on the website if you would like to get a hold of him and, and you have some, uh, even just questions about financing or, or, or um, you know, if you've, if you've heard some terms and you just want some clarification, you know, the hard money lenders or borrowing against margin or any of that, that'll be there for, for you. And, um, you know, thanks for being here. Thanks a lot. Appreciate working with you. We appreciate your, your time. You're a very smart guy. Uh, we continue, hopefully to continue, you know, moving up and up into the right both of us yeah, with, with you guys and uh, uh hope to have you back as we do more and more of these i'll be a listener so. for sure awesome well thank you mike